What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the Dub Justin Podcast, and today I have a very special guest, my former kindergarten teacher, actually, Mrs. Christina Trusty. Hi, Ms. Trusty. How are you? Hi, Dub. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me tonight. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 really my honor. Um, ever since I've seen what you've what you've been doing the past year or two, I mean, it's really inspired me. So, how have you been handling this whole pandemic, being a being a teacher yourself, and also being a mother. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, uh, Dub, it was hard. Uh, teaching kindergarten uh, via e-learning was challenging. Um, and as you said, I have four kids of my own, so they were also doing uh, their work at home. So the days were challenging. And I look forward to returning to school in August in the classroom where I can uh, see those kids in person. Mm-hmm. So did what types of things were you doing on? Um through e-learning with your kids? Oh, with my students? Yeah. Yeah, or my own kids. So, yeah, with my students, <laughs> I teach kindergarten. And so um, we would have um, various lessons that they would uh, do at home uh, using an app called Seesaw. But I would also do Zoom meetings with 25 kindergarten students. And if you can imagine what that looks like, um, it was fantastic. And my favorite story from uh, doing Zoom with kindergarten is I've got all 25 kids, you know, I can see them on my screen. And um, this little guy starts to like slide real slowly down out of his chair. And in his place, this big stuffed Mickey Mouse like comes up (laughs) into his chair. Like I wouldn't notice, you know, he was gone. Um, so that's one of my favorite. And then someone had a, a pet, um, a gerbil that made an appearance. All of a sudden, a little gerbil face came up into the screen. So those are my favorite, my favorite things. But, um, the truth is, um, I miss them. It actually kind of broke my heart sometimes just to see them on the screen. Um, you know, not be able to, you know, hug them and encourage them because it's definitely, although small kids may not understand the scope of what's going on, um, they can feel it. And so um, I can't wait to see him. I, I still have fingers crossed that I can see them in July before we can, before we return to school. Yeah, hopefully that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on today was to talk about your your nonprofit, um, Fields for School. So talk a little bit about what that is exactly and what all you've been doing throughout this pandemic with um, all the social distancing and quarantining and such. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. So Fueled for School has historically been a weekend meal program for children who are food insecure or who are at risk for being food insecure, meaning they may not have anything to eat or they may have something to eat, maybe not quite enough. Um, And so basically Fueled for School, we um, collect food donations and monetary donations to make these meal packs for the children. Those meal packs go home on Friday uh, with the kiddos, and then they have something to eat on Saturday and Sunday, something to nourish them before they return back to school where they receive um, free or reduced uh, breakfast and lunch at school. So then COVID-19 happens, and it's a complete game changer. This changes everything. So school closed on a Friday, Deb, and overnight, Build for School, our nonprofit, <clears throat> we had almost 100 emails in our inbox by the time we got to it the next morning. And those emails were people asking for help. And so what we did, our team got together and we converted our weekend meal program to a meal program that would sustain the children 
and their families seven days a week. And so that's where we're at right now. I don't even know how many weeks we're into this, but I do have a great number for you. We are feeding between 500 to 550 children every week along with family members. And each week that takes 26,000 pounds of food. That's hard to do. I don't even know how to process that, to be honest. Yeah, and so it's hard to, like, imagine what does 26,000 pounds of food look like? You know, have you ever seen 2,000 gallons of milk? Um, you, you know, once you see that, you realize just um, the scope of, of how our small nonprofit has, has grown into um, something much bigger than we um, ever imagined. So to help you visualize that, Dub, it is two refrigerated trucks, two refrigerated semi-trailers every week. Um, and then in addition to that are our um, non-perishable foods, the, the things the kids really love, the macaroni and cheese. You know, that's our number one requested item. <laughs> <laughs> and bacon. Who doesn't love bacon, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, you've kind of been a light for a lot of people through all these dark times with the pandemic happening and the racial injustice happening as well in this country. Um, I think if people look to you um, and see how you approach things, I think the world would be a better place. And um, <clears throat> I told myself I wouldn't. I'm going to get choked up doing this, but I told myself I wouldn't already. Oh, your kindergarten teacher's going to cry right here, Doug. I'm going down. I'm going down. <laughs> so it was kind of, it was a really cool story about how this whole thing started, What how your idea began. Um, so briefly explain that. You were putting food into kids' backpacks, sneak it in, sneaking it in there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you had asked me a question um, sometime back about, you know, when did I realize that food insecurity, uh, you know, was a problem here in our community? Um, and the truth is, um, I've been teaching for almost 20 years now. And I distinctly remember my second year teaching this little guy. He had this great um, reddish brown hair and this smattering of freckles. And um, he was hungry. And so at the time, I was teaching kindergarten with a gal by the name of Stephanie Miller. And with permission, uh, it was half-day kindergarten. With permission, we kept him um, after half-day kindergarten, and we packed his we packed a lunch for him every day. So Stephanie Miller and I, um, we were teaching partners, and this little guy, we would pack his lunch and eat lunch with him um, every single day. So that was I think what opened my eyes to it was this very specific little boy. Um, but then over the years, the idea of teachers feeding children is not new. You're probably never going to meet a teacher that didn't give her lunch to a kid on a field trip. You're probably never going to meet a teacher who doesn't sneak food into somebody's backpack because they're worried, you know, on Saturday or Sunday they're not going to eat. They're going to make me cry, Deb. Um, and so, yeah, we um, – Teachers have been doing this for years. We want to make sure these little people eat. So when they're small, Dub, when these kids are small, they tell you they're hungry. Bigger mm -hmm. kids, they're much more clever, right? Our high school kids, because our program is um, preschool through high school now. We have our own pantry over at the high school. Um, high school kids are more clever, right? They go to the, the guy's house whose mom cooks all the time. Mm -hmm. right? Well, kids are, clever, you know, more clever like that. Elementary kids, they don't have, you know, those resources. So, yeah. So how this 
came about, Dub, is um, a great gal by the name of Audra Schock um, and Sharon Scalzo. They are um, educators here in our community. We shared a lunch break together. Four years ago, we shared this lunch break together. And we, we get our heads and we put them together and we say, how can we do a better job at this? How can we systematically make sure that every child who needs food on the weekend receives that food? And for six months, we probably used our lunch break every day to brainstorm Fueled for School. Yeah, so we came up with this idea. We needed to partner with the school district to make sure that we could get the food to the kids discreetly and to make sure that that food went home. And so we approached the school district and said, hey, this is our idea. How do you feel about it? And they gave us the green light, wished us luck, you know, getting everything put together and in place. And here we are three years later and bigger than we ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. The rest um, is history. I think it's very interesting because um, a lot of people don't understand how many kids go home hungry in Hamilton County. Um, I know it's more prevalent in like the IPS school system and things of that nature, but you look at Hamilton County as a whole, people think of it as kind of a rich area because we have Carmel, we have Noblesville, Fishers, Westfield all growing, but there's a lot of kids that don't have a whole lot when they go home. And I think it like, when I first heard of your story, I was like, I was like, there's not that many. There can't be that many kids. I mean, but just hearing the sheer numbers that you're saying, it's it's really eye opening for people that don't that don't see that on a on a daily basis. Yeah. And to give you some statistics there. Um, and I understand what you're saying, because truly, when we are writing grants and we are fundraising and we're trying to feed these kids, um, that's what we hear. You know, you live in Hamilton County um, and we do. And we serve children in Hamilton County. I think what's shocking for people to know is that one out of every four children in our community are at risk for food insecurities. Um, that's almost that's we're right at 25 percent. You know, one out of four kids, that number is staggering. Um, are there bigger numbers in surrounding areas? Um, yes. You know, but one kid is too many hungry kids, you know, in our community. So out of that um, that number, when you look at how big our community is and we say one out of four kids are at risk for food insecurity, um, out of those kiddos, um, 550 children have been identified as having food insecurities. So we have kids who are at risk and then we have kids, you know, who definitely have food insecurities and they come to us through counselor recommendation, teacher recommendation, um, and by request on our website, you know, parents will email us um, and ask for help. And then something new and something that, Oh, it weighs heavy on my heart is um, the high school kids and the middle school kids um, have kind of picked up on our location where our pantry is actually located. Um, and they're starting to walk over to us um, to get food. And it takes a lot of courage, you know, to knock on a door um, and to ask for food. So every time, you know, one of those kiddos, you know, makes their way, you know, to see us, I'm always impressed with their bravery. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to serve along with every member 
of the field for school team. Yeah, um, going back to what you said earlier about um, the younger kids, they'll come out and say, hey, I'm hungry or whatever the case may be, because they don't they don't understand um, being embarrassed, I guess, as much as older kids mm-hmm. is the way you could put it. Um, I feel like like the high schoolers, if um, say they went home and couldn't eat that day or whatever the case may be, um, they'd be kind of embarrassed and they really wouldn't tell anyone. So I think it is <clears throat> a huge step in the right direction for them to come and, and actually ask for help and acknowledge that, hey, this I know this isn't okay and I I can't do this anymore. I need help. Yeah. And sometimes, um, and sometimes they never quite make it to the door. They're kind of hanging on the outside and we notice them. Um, and then, you know, um, we want to be respectful of the situation. So we just say, Hey, you know, do you need a box? And they'll say, yeah. And then, and then we just kind of hand the box out and that's the whole interaction. Um, because we don't want, anyone to, you know, feel embarrassed or ashamed um, because of the, you know, circumstance of the, the, I guess, the nature of us meeting at a food pantry. Mm -hmm. So what all do those boxes contain? Yeah, so uh, pre-COVID, so pre-coronavirus, the backpack sacks had um, very kid-friendly foods, often foods that the kids can make themselves because mom and dad um, may be out working and they may actually be home alone. Um, And we try to listen to the kids and get some of their favorites. Um, They love macaroni and cheese. Oh, my goodness, we can't keep enough macaroni and cheese in the pantry. Um, They love canned ravioli. Have you eaten this stuff? Not in 20 or 15 years probably. (laughs) I think it's something that elementary kids really love, Um, uh, ravioli. They get um, pastas, pasta sauce, um, oatmeal. Um, We send home granola, microwave popcorn, um, soup, some different canned soups, um, and some, like, rice casserole dishes, uh, things like that that would be easy that kind of just add water type of dishes. So then post, you know, looking later, now that we're in the middle of this coronavirus thing, it's completely different. Okay, so we are now providing, we want them to have meals three times a day, seven days a week. So this has really changed our game. So um, you would receive, um, if you came to the pantry to see us on Thursday, you would receive um, milk, bacon, uh, pulled pork, 10 pounds of potatoes, five pounds of oranges, five pounds of onions, uh, five pounds of a variety of cheeses, all kinds of different cheese, string cheese and cube cheese, um, a loaf of bread, peanut butter and jelly, apples, bananas. So you can kind of see it's this huge, you know, it's actually so heavy now. We have to have a team of what we call heavy lifters um, help us get these into the trunks of the cars because we are doing a drive up food pantry to keep everybody safe. Um, You drive up, pop your trunk open, and then we put your groceries in your trunk. Did you have any? I'll keep going. I was just going to say, and if you can't make it to us, we actually have a mobile pantry. Um, You've probably seen it in Noblesville and didn't even realize, you know, what it was. Um, It's silver. It's a mobile pantry, and it delivers um, meals to families, and it delivers um, meal kits, meal boxes to families. And then we have um, really a fleet of drivers who use their own cars and minivans 
to take food out to households where they don't have transportation. Mm-hmm. So when you were when you were um, like putting the food in the kids' backpacks, did any parents notice it and send you a message or anything like that? Yeah, so that's a really good question. That's actually a question that we get all of the time. Um, so how this works, Dub, is um, counselors and teachers recommend children who they think would benefit from having some additional food on the weekends. And then what happens is a permission slip goes home to the family that says, we would like to provide this service. Are you okay with it? And the parents respond back, yes or no. To my knowledge, nobody's ever said no. And so, uh, yeah, that food is discreetly put into student backpacks when the children are out of the classroom. So let's say that they're in the library. That would be a good time for those meal bags to go into their backpacks um, because we don't want to embarrass anybody. Mm-hmm. Have you had any kids come up and come up to you and um, say thank you, like at school? Yeah. I know you don't want to talk about that. It's going to make you. Going to try to make me cry. Yeah, we do. We do. We have. Um, uh, kids come to us and they'll say, my mom said that you're the lady, da, 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 you know, and um, we do. We have kids come to us and we have parents who um, see us out in public who come up to us and, you know, thank us. We receive a lot of really nice emails um, where, you know, parents sometimes feel like they need to explain the situation. The truth is it doesn't matter to us, but sometimes um, I'm thinking of one specific situation where um a mom had cancer and she was receiving treatments and things just became really hard at home. And so she sent a thank you note to let us know that she was better um, and that they no longer needed that additional food support. But yeah, the kids, they thank us and they make requests too. They want yeah. more, they want more <laughs> peanut butter. They want more granola bars. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> no, sometimes they tell us what they don't want. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, don't send home blueberry oatmeal. You know, we're like, okay, what do you want? And they're like, maple brown sugar. Okay, let us know, kids. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. It is. Um, so when all this got started, did you imagine it growing into what it would become now? No, really. I don't think any member of our team, we couldn't have ever imagined this. And the truth is the first number, the first figure we came up with was 100 students and 100 children that we wanted to feed for an extended amount of time. And so I remember our team, we went into this meeting with a, uh, different nonprofits and we said, this is our idea. And we got a lot of pushback. Uh, I, they, we got a lot of, wow, that's a big number. Do you really think you can sustain that number? Uh, maybe you should set that goal smaller. You know, we kind of got some of that um, advice. And um, we said, no, we feel confident. We want to start out with 100 kids. Um, <clears throat> and then something happened. Uh, the, we Our goal was 100 kids. And that first year, 350 children um, were referred to us. And so we sat down as a team and said, what do we do? How can we say no? Mm -hmm. Who do you say no to? Um, And we couldn't do it. And so instead of saying no, we said, okay, let's figure this out. Year one, we're going to feed 350 kids. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How did you go about building your guys' team? 
So I know it's a fairly large team. It is. Yeah, it is a large team. And actually, we were trying to figure it out here recently. To get the food from point A to point B, um, it takes more than 100 volunteers to you know, to um, go and shop for that food, to place those orders, to make those meal packs, to drive them to elementary schools, to get them in the hands of counselors. There are so many moving pieces to this. Um, so our team, like I said, we it was um, truly fate that Audra, Sharon and I shared this same lunch break. And so when we cooked up this idea that is now fueled for school, what we did is um, we asked for help. And I think when you ask for help so sincerely and for a cause that you truly believe in, people respond. Um, and that's a life lesson, Dub. You take that with you and tuck it away in your heart, okay? When you need help, yeah, you do that. When you need help and you mean it so sincerely, people will, will rise to the occasion and they'll come along right next to you and they'll serve with you. Mm-hmm. So we sat down and we said, okay. We need to make this an official nonprofit. Who knows a, who knows an attorney? I know an attorney. I'm going to give a call. Um, does anybody know a marketing media specialist? Yes, we do. Let's give them a call. And so we started calling people who we have great relationships with and who we knew would support us and come together um, and join us Um for this mission that we have, you know, to in food insecurity and hunger in our community. And that's how the team was built on former relationships um, in the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my <clears throat> I was talking to my aunt, um, Shannon Plum, earlier, and yeah. she's been she's been all in my ear about um, when you're going to come on. She's really excited for it. And she was she was talking to me about the grants that you guys received. So I'm not too familiar with it. So I was just wondering if you could um, kind of briefly explain how those um, assist you guys. Yeah, absolutely. First, how lucky are we to have Shannon, you know, as part of the Field for School team? And that's a great example of us reaching out to people we know who um, have a skill set that could be used to feed children. Um, and Shannon definitely, you know, has that skill set. Um, in fact, today I was trying to get her to help me, you know, work an event that we have coming up. So we do all of our own fundraising. And you'll see us out and about in the community doing different events to not only raise money to buy food, but to raise awareness um, for Fueled for School. Because just three years ago, this was kind of a almost a secret in our community, you know, that we had little ones who weren't um, getting enough to eat. So um, we do fundraising. We do food raising. So we host a lot of big food drives, big food drives and small food drives. We love our food drives. That's food coming in that will directly go out to children. Um, and then we write grants. And we have been so fortunate right now, you know, to be the recipient of grants that help us provide that um, dairy and that meat and that fresh produce um, for our students. So um, I'm guessing Shannon was referring to the um, farm to table grant 
It is um, a government grant, the Farm to Table grant, and we are recipient of that through McFarling Foods. Um, they've been very kind to us. And so when you see that big refrigerator truck pull in on Thursday, um, that is part of that amazing grant. Um, and then Prairie Farms, uh, we just can't say enough great things about them as well. They have uh, loved us big, and they have, have been sending us uh, 2,000 gallons of milk every week since the start of, you know, uh, this COVID-19 pandemic. So those are some of the um, grants that we receive directly um, resulting in food, you know, into the children's hands. And then there have been other grants um, that we've received that we use to purchase our non-perishable items, our food. So, yeah. And then the truth is, uh, Dub, you know, Fueled for School is our basic, basically it's our community's nonprofit because um, the community has rallied behind us. They have been behind us every step of the way. Uh, we feel the love in our community um, and we can't say enough great things about the people, um, about the business owners um, and about the families that we serve. So. It's kind of a win-win situation all around. All the stars kind of have aligned for us, I guess. Yeah, I know <clears throat> a lot of people have been talking about you guys and all the great things that you do, and we're all so proud of you guys. Um, but I was wondering if you had any plans of maybe expanding this to other counties or even um, across the country further uh, down the line. Yeah, wow. Isn't it isn't it great to dream big? You know, I think we're big dreamers. I think that's, you know, how we – we got to the place we are right now, and we've actually taken some steps, um, Dub, that um, I don't, this may be the first time that we're actually kind of announcing this, um, you know, to the public, um, but we have started training um, school districts um, in the county, but also in surrounding counties here in central Indiana, how to um, run this type of program, um, this type of weekend meal program. Um, not only does it get food into tummies, but there's also an educational component um, that we add to our meal pack program when we have youth volunteering. It's very important for us that we have kids serving kids. We have, you know, uh, children serving their peers. And when we do that, that gives us the opportunity to be teachers and to talk about um what this looks like for their peers and to hopefully um, instill empathy and compassion for those who maybe have different life circumstances. So we have started training different teams around central Indiana. And, you know, that's been a big step for us to say, okay, you know, we're a few years in and we feel like, you know, we can help other teams start something similar. Um, would we expand? I think anything's a possibility. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I think, but right now, you know, we're focused on let's get through this pandemic and make sure these kids are fed. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so when you're training these other um, people in these other counties, are they going to be an extension of you guys or are they going to make their own nonprofits? So uh, right now where we're at, they would be forming their own nonprofits. And so what we do is kind of tell them the steps that, you know, um, we, took to form the nonprofit, but typically the biggest question is, how do you fundraise it? How do you food raise it? Um, and how do you bring awareness to 
your specific nonprofit and your mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw <clears throat> this. <coughs> this is going to make me choke up. So every time I watch this video, I always cry. When you got the Golden Apple Award um, this past fall, I've I watched it like five times, and I, I don't know, I just can't get through it each time. Um, what was that whole situation like? And what was what was going through your head when they came in? And- Wait a minute. Is it this Golden Apple tub? Yes, is that one? <laughs> oh, oh, man. This is actually so funny. The kindergarten students in my class thought that they um, won this. They specifically won this. And so I let them take it home. I let different kids take this thing home. Um, <laughs> there's a great story behind it. I had no idea um, that I was going to be presented this award. And that morning was picture day at school. And my daughter, Kate, wrote all over herself with a Sharpie marker right before pictures. <laughs> so I was running late. Dove, I was so late. I had to put her back in the shower. I'm like scrubbing her face. Her hair is a mess. I throw her in this outfit. We get in the car. I am late to Hinkle Creek. I am never late to school. And so um, I did something that I was so ashamed of. I parked in the guest parking lot which is like a no-no, but not illegal. I I parked in the guest parking lot because I was so late. I just needed to get into the building with Kate, who, you know, was covered in marker. And so my day started just kind of terrible, to be honest. And then my classroom door swings open and I see my boss walking in, you know, real fast. And I think I'm so busted for parking (laughs) in the guest parking lot. Like I'm in trouble. And then I see the news crew and I think, oh, I'm in big trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I had no idea there was an award. I thought I was in trouble for parking in the guest parking lot. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not that big of a deal, you know. And so, yeah, I was nominated for this amazing award. And it, it truly touched my heart because when we're doing this, when we're in in the pantry and we're making the meals and we're serving the kids, we're lost in the job. And very rarely do we step out and go, whoa, look what, you know, look what we've built or look what we've done. And that was actually the first moment where I thought, whoa, we did it. You know, we made it. We got this nonprofit off the ground. And, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was super awesome to see. Um, so you get some recognition, uh, both you and, and the whole nonprofit as a whole. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I know you're, we're running short on time. Um, I just wanted to talk about um, you being a kindergarten teacher and what made you want to get into teaching in the first place. And then what do you specifically like about um, the kindergarten aspect in the lower ages? Oh, man, Dub, this is a great story. So I originally, when I started um, college, I was a dental assistant um, and I I was putting myself through college as a dental assistant, thinking that I would possibly be a dental hygienist. And um, the kids would come to the dentist's office, and I just thought they were the absolute funniest, most inspiring people that I had ever been around. And it would be like the kid who came to the dentist but ate Oreos on the way to the appointment. (laughs) And I'm laughing because it's the greatest. I'm thinking that's so fantastic, you know. And um, so – 
they immediately moved me to be with the kids, right? Like you have to go work in the, you know, the, the peds department because you love the kids. And I quickly changed majors and um, kindergarten has always been my dream job. So when I landed that job, I truly felt like I won the lottery a million bucks. And I have now been teaching kindergarten. I think I'm starting year 19, which means I'm an old teacher now, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> You don't seem old, though. I Thank you very much. I've been teaching, I think, more years than, like, my entire team combined. That's I'm, like, the old kindergarten teacher now. Um, but I love it. I love them every day. I love their curiosity. I love their honesty. Um, I love teaching kids to read. It is Kindergarten is amazing because they come in and they're learning letters and sounds, and by the time they leave, they're reading. Um, and... I just find it so impressive how fast they can grow. Yeah. I'm yeah. A, what are you gonna say? I, I just love I just love kids, all kids actually, but I, I specifically I do love kindergarten. Yeah. I mean when I was when I was in your class, I don't remember all of it obviously, but I just remember every single day you always had a smile on your face. You were always passionate about whatever we were doing, even if it was just reading like a book um, or something like that. And I never really realized it until I got a little bit older, but I was like, teachers like you are what make um, schools go around. Like what I'm trying to put it into words. Um, Like you guys are you teachers like you are the people that drive schools and I think that we need a lot more teachers like you. I don't think there's enough of teachers like you. Um, but yeah, do you, do you, do you remember any um, interactions we had when I was in kindergarten? Yeah, I can actually remember plenty of. I can I can actually remember exactly where you sat. I know exactly where you hung your coat, and I know where you sat on the rug when we would come to story time. And then something that is, um, I don't know if all teachers do this, but. You're working with, you know, a little one, teaching them to write and teaching them to read. And so um, I always memorize little what their hands like I can. I have a memory of almost everybody's little bitty hands because I'm always holding your hand or helping you with your pencil. You know, this is how you hold your pencil or you're going to read. You're going to use your finger and hop like a bunny word to word. Um, and so I can I can uh, actually remember your little hands. Um, and I know your favorite song. I know your favorite song from kindergarten. Which one was it? Slippery Fish. <laughs> I am not going to sing it on this, but I'll sing it to you afterwards when we <laughs> when we hang out. <laughs> I think. Well, when I hear it, I'll remember it. But right You'll now. remember it. You love the song uh, Slippery Fish. Yeah, and um, you were so kind, Dub. You were you were a good little boy, and I always had to keep my you know eye on you because I, I you know I wanted to make sure that. I didn't give you, you know, any snacks or anything that would, you know, make you not well or, um, yeah. So you were very special to me, um, and and you still are. And I love to see you grown up. I love to see the man that you are, and I love to see your family. And um, you're doing great things. I hope you keep doing what you're passionate about and what what feels good to you and what feels right. And know that if you're doing it with a sincere, true heart, you're going to be successful at it. So you remember the time, I mean, I behaved myself pretty well at school. 
just because of my parents um, teaching me well. But do you remember the time where I almost broke that kid's arm that was messing with me? <laughs> you don't remember that? Tell, tell, tell me more about it. Jog my memory. I, I don't remember the kid's name. Um, but he was like, he kept poking me. I told him to stop. And, you know, like I was pretty quiet for the most part. Like I didn't really get into it with people. And I remember my dad taught me like how to grab someone's wrist and twist it. Oh, this is sounding very familiar all of a sudden. So I turn, so I turn around and grab his arm with both of my hands and twist as hard as I can. And then he yells out in pain. And I remember I just sit inside during recess and then. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only time I've ever been in trouble in my life at you school. Got a, you got a little time out in kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> my mom. My mom was there for some reason. I don't know why she was at school, but she came and she, yeah, she was not happy with me. But my dad. I mean, when I got home, my dad really didn't mind. <laughs> oh, what? Well, you know my dad. He. Yeah. He's a goof. But yeah. Um. So before I let you go, I just wanted to let people err. Have you explained to people how they can get involved with Field for School, um, how they can donate, how they can volunteer, and your website, if you have it, it'll also be um, in the description of this video, and I'll put the link on Facebook. If there's any, um, like, a GoFundMe type thing, I can put that on Facebook as well. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Deb, for helping us feed kids. Um, the best way to find out information is on our website, which is www.field.com for school.org and we basically need food and food can come to us a few different ways. You can donate food directly at the pantry. You can bring food in and drop it off or you can make a monetary donation, which we use to purchase food in bulk. So uh, if you do make a monetary donation, that allows us to really stretch it and to get the most, you know, for your money because we do order in very large quantities. Um, you can also come out and serve with our team. You can make these meal packs. You can work the drive-up pantry. That's a little bit tricky right now because of COVID-19. You know, we have a lot of new regulations and um, safety precautions that we have to take. Um, but there are always opportunities, um, not just now um, during the pandemic, but also throughout the school year. So um, those are different ways that people can be involved. All right, for sure. Um, I'll put all that out on my social media. I'll tag you. Hopefully we can share this, um, continue to grow this, and maybe one day you guys will be across the whole United States. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you so much, Dub. And remember, no matter what you do, there is a kindergarten teacher cheering you on, okay? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on. It was, it was really fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Dub. I enjoyed it. You take care. You too. Bye-bye, everybody.